morning. We're going to read the Bible now. Um, we're page 1,000 in the Bibles in the church in front of you. An exciting day. We've hit 1,000. And we're going to read from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. The words are on the screen as well, in case you want to look up there. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning, everyone. It's the perfect topic for uh, all-age family service, isn't it? The Trinity. It actually is, for reasons that we'll see in a minute. But as we begin, uh, I want you to think about talks you've heard on the Trinity before. Uh, And we're not going to play Trinity talk bingo, but have you ever heard uh, someone stand up at the front of church and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you about the Trinity. This is how to understand it. Hello, my name's Nick, and I'm a vicar. But sometimes people call me dad, because as well as being a vicar, I'm also a father. Uh, And this isn't true anymore, but sometimes people call me skipper, because I'm the captain of the rugby club. And I'm all those three things at once. I'm Nick the vicar, Nick the dad, and Nick the captain. I'm one, but I have those three different roles. Now, if you've ever heard that illustration of the Trinity, I want you to know that it's a really bad one. (laughs) And on your uh, service sheet, you've got some bad illustrations of the Trinity uh, that you can talk about over coffee. uh, And you can see if you can say, why is it bad? Why does it not help us to understand that God is Trinity? To say that H2O, sometimes it's water, liquid, sometimes it's steam, and sometimes it's ice. Or why is the shamrock a bad illustration of the Trinity? I don't know if you've seen the film Nuns on the Run. I'm guessing that the younger ones probably haven't. But in that film, someone's trying to explain the Trinity, uh, and they get out a shamrock and they say, God is like a shamrock. And then uh, they're in a bit of a hurry, so they say, small green and split three ways. So that's one reason why the shamrock's not a good illustration, but there are others. Well, what is the Trinity? Why do we talk about God as Trinity? And what does it mean? And what does it mean for us? Matthew 28, when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, He has risen from the grave. He has beaten death. And he's about to go up to his throne in glory. He says to his disciples, Look, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so you are to go to every nation in the world and make disciples of them. Teach them to follow me. And you're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there's this one thing that happens when someone comes into God's family, they're baptized, and that might mean dunking them underwater or it might mean splashing some water on them. Either is valid. 
Because the only thing that's absolutely required is the name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what you notice is that Jesus says name, like one thing, but then, I don't know, maybe you can count with me. If, if you've learned to count, should we count the names? So Jesus says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So there's one name, but it's also three names. And that's how you come into the family of God, is being baptized in the name, one, of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So I'm unconsciously going through what I do when I baptize a baby. Look at that. Um, wow. Okay. One name, which is also three names. Why is that? Well, let's go back to Sunday school with Jesus, shall we? What did Jesus learn in Sunday school? We know he went to Sunday school. He was there at the temple when he was uh, 12 years old. Uh, We know actually he was teaching the class by then. But um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I've stuck the pages of my Bible together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. That's how I know Jesus learned that in Sunday school. Because the thing that God's people were told that they had to teach their children was that there is one God. So if I was to ask you, are there three gods, what would the answer be? No, No, that's correct. I'm maybe a bit louder. Are there three gods? No. Is there one God? Yes. And yet. Let me ask you this question. Is God the Father God? Yes. Is God the Son God? Yes. Is God the Holy Spirit God? You got ahead of me. I hadn't even finished asking the question. At least let me go up at the end of the sentence. Should you try that again? Is God the Holy Spirit God? Yes. yes. How many gods are there? One. Are there three gods? No. Excellent. You're really getting it. My work here is done. There is one God, but that one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see that in the life of Jesus, don't you? When Jesus is baptized, what happens? A voice comes from heaven that says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father says how much he loves his son. When Jesus prays, what does Jesus pray? He says, Father. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he teach us to pray? Our Father. And when Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted, who drives him out into the wilderness? Who leads him there? The Holy Spirit. So here's the next question. Is Jesus the Father? No. Is Jesus the Holy Spirit? No. Is Jesus the Son? Yes. Okay. So we've got a Father and a Son and the Spirit who are not the same person, but who together are the one God indivisibly. We're going to sing a word, uh, undivided, in our next song. And it's this idea that God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you can't split him apart. So there, aren't, there really aren't three gods. There's one God 
who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loving each other for eternity. And the names help us to understand that. Because Father and Son, I am a father. But that wasn't always something you could say about me, and and that be true. 18 years ago, I had that extraordinary experience of moving from being not a father to being a father when my daughter Miriam was born. It's an extraordinary thing to happen to a person. You go from not being something to being that thing because of what? Because of a relationship. When I had a child, I became a father. And Jesus tells us that God's name and the name we're to pray to is Father. And he tells us that he himself is Son. And do you see how those two names, you can't have one without the other. You can't be a father unless you have a child. And you can't be a child, and I promise you this is true, unless you have a father. At least biologically, you can't. And for eternity, God is Father and Son and Spirit, knowing and loving and relating to each other perfectly. So if I ask you, are there three gods? The answer is no. But the longer answer is, there is one God in three persons. And if I ask you, is only the Father God? Then the answer is no. There are three persons in the one God. Now that, that simply is what Christians mean when we talk about God as Trinity. Indivisibly, forever, there is one God who is three persons who love each other. We've got our second reading now um, from Ephesians chapter 4, page 1175. Not quite as poetic, but Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6. And again, it's on the screens. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So maybe you're wondering, what difference does it make to believe that God is Trinity? What difference does it make to the life of the church, to what it means to be a Christian, to know that God is one in three and three in one? Well, Ephesians 4, page 1175, gives us some idea of the answer to that question. Now, Paul starts off, chapter 4, verse 1, if you have a look at it, saying, as a prisoner for the Lord then, and he's, he's pointing back to what he's been talking about. And what he's been talking about is breathtaking. He's been telling his readers, the people reading this letter, he's been telling them what God's master plan for the whole universe is. What history is all about. What the world means. Uh, And uh, he says that in chapter 1, verse 10. He says that God's 
plan for the whole universe to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring the whole world together under Jesus. Now the world is broken and fractured and uh, people are kind of uh, at each other's throats, aren't they? And, and, and the world's really divided. But God's plan is to unite the world, to take all the many things, the many peoples, the many races, the many different social groups, the many different generations, and bring them together as one under Jesus. And that is what God is at work doing, taking the many and making them one. So then in chapter two, he talks about how something extraordinary has happened in God's plan, where uh, people who used to think of themselves as being the only people that God loved, the people God had made his promise to, the people of Israel, and Gentiles, people like most of us who aren't directly descended from Abraham, who don't have that, those old promises to rely on, and who would have been seen as far away from God and far away from God's people, God has brought them together through Jesus. So he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. So he, it's, it's almost as if he takes a, a, a cross and puts it in front of the people and says, look at this. Look at this shape. What does the cross of Jesus achieve? Well, on the one hand, it reconciles us to God. It brings us back to God. It takes away that separation between human beings and God. It's, a, it, it's vertical. But it's also horizontal. It brings human beings together under Jesus. So listen to what he says. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So what God is in the business of doing is taking all the many people and making them one body in relationship to him. Drawing them together in love for each other and in love for God. And notice chapter 2 verse 18 how Paul says this happens. It is the work of the God who is three in one. So through him, that is Jesus, the Son, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So God, working out his plan of bringing everything together under Jesus, indivisibly, totally united, Father, Son, and Spirit work together to bring us together to the Father. The Spirit draws us through the Son to the Father. 
the Holy Trinity is the one who saves us. The one God who saves, Father, Son, and Spirit, works together to bring us to himself and to each other. So then again, he says, verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's for preaching that gospel that Paul's in prison. So that's why he says, chapter four, verse one, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And we'll talk about what that looks like, but he's basically saying, as Christians, we have to love each other and be united to each other. Why? Well, look at verse four on page 1175. There is one body, that is the church, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So there's not, there aren't lots of different gospels that God has given. There are not lots of different hopes, not lots of different spirits. There's one spirit, there's one body, there's one church. And the hope we have, that is the faith that we believe, there's only one. In the same way, verse 5, there is one Lord Jesus, one faith, one baptism. We've thought about baptism already, haven't we? In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, the Lord who gives that baptism, there's only one of him. There's only one Jesus. And verse 6, there's only one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul keeps saying one. He, he, he talks about the three, but... As he talks about the three, his focus is on the one. There's an old uh, uh, theologian of the fourth century called Gregory of Nazianzus. And he famously said, well, I'm sure you all know. um, (laughs) But he said, every time I think about the three, my mind is drawn to the one. And every time I think about the one, my mind is drawn to the three. As we think about God, threeness and oneness uh, simultaneously kind of come in on our minds. We can't think truly about God unless that's true. One and three. But because he is one and three, he takes all the many people and makes them one together. So what does it mean to live the sort of life that God wants us to live? the life that's worthy of our calling? What does it mean to be the church, to be the people of this one God who is perfectly realized in relationships of love? Well, be completely humble and gentle. That's verse two. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The one God who is three persons perfectly loving each other for eternity calls us into his body and says, love each other and be completely united. Because there's one spirit who's drawn you to the one son through whom we come to the one father and we get to call God by the name Jesus calls him. Father. It's an extraordinary thought that, isn't it? That I get to call God by his own name, that his son has called him for eternity. It's only God working as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that makes that true. But then as we think about ourselves and we think about each other, what does that mean for the life of 
a church that believes in God as Trinity, it means that relationships really matter. It means that love really matters. And actually, it means that we can't be properly ourselves as a church without all of us. Because we are united. God's plan is to bring everyone together under Jesus Christ as head. So we can't be the church without you. Not fully, not properly, not perfectly. So you being here and you being part of what we do together is absolutely essential. We can't be ourselves without you. It's always a slightly dangerous thing to do. Please do not look around when I say this, but I want you to think about the person you find hardest to relate to here at church. Don't. (laughs) We could not be the church without them. And we have to make every effort to keep that unity that is actually reality. That we do belong to each other in one body because of the kind of God that we serve and because of the good news that he has given us. And so, I think we need to pray, don't we? To pray that by God's spirit, we will be enabled to love each other in this way and to recognize each other as completely essential to us being the church. To recognize that there is only one church, the church worldwide. And in that sense, we need all Christians. And so whenever there's division in the church, that's a really painful, it's a brutal thing. It goes right against the heart of what the church is meant to be. And there are divisions nationally and globally, and we should weep over that. But even more so, we should weep over people who drift away from our fellowship. We cannot be us without them. We need each other because we are one body. Because by the one spirit, we've been drawn through the one son to the one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can I lead us in a prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you that by bringing us through your Holy Spirit to your Son, you've made us yours. And thank you that because of that we belong to each other as well. May we each as individuals and all of us as one body know what it is to share the love that you have given to your people. Help us to be humble and gentle and patient Help us to bear with one another and to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.